You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is the Locked On Hornets podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Again, it's wherever you get your podcast. And make sure you follow us on Twitter. You can follow us at Locked On Hornets. You can follow me at Walker Mail. And we're moving Doug's Twitter handle to the side. Get out of here, Doug Branson, LOH. Get out of here, Andre Drummond. We don't want you here. You can follow the other co-host of the Lockdown Hornets podcast at Not of the Scribe. It's Not Edwards coming back onto the scene. What's up, co-host? What's good, man? Like this has been a long time. Like last time I talked to you before this was, um, well, we won't talk about that time where you were in Asheville and I'm trying to hook you up with somebody. Well, <laughs> that is true. Yes, is that where we're gonna go? That's, that yeah. That's what you're gonna bring up. You're gonna bring up our text messages with you trying to hook your boy up. Is yes, that what you're trying that's, to do? that's that's exactly what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Goodness gracious, that's what we're gonna open up. Now I'm a little bit scared about how we're gonna start doing things here on the Hornets podcast. But no, this this is weird because we, you were such a big part. Of the podcast a couple of years ago, even more, just a little over a year ago, you got busy doing other things, and then Doug Branson and I, it was just going to be us two. Now, Doug, he's a busy man. He's doing a bunch of stuff, so he's not going to be here every single day. He will be here, I believe, Wednesdays is going to be the day that he helps us out. Exactly. He's going to do the, Je- the like Uncle Jesse from Full House, yeah. where he just shows up, does the Doug Branson thing, and then walks away, and we're all just left in the his week. I, I know David still would like to be a part of the podcast as well. So it's basically anybody the last few years that have been a host on the podcast. We are going to incorporate everybody where it's me and you doing it daily, but Doug will have his day. David Walker will have his day. So it's a big old lockdown Hornets family that we will go forward with. So I'm excited to get things started here uh, with Yanata as we're continuing to be in a pandemic where content yes. is at a premium. But I want to start off today with some content that Kevin Pelton and Mike Schmitz gave us yeah, with the Charlotte You Hornets. mentioned this to me, and I was kind of surprised because it was like, Kevin Pelton usually doesn't think very highly of what the Hornets and what the Hornets do. Well, nobody does. That's, That's the true. thing, right? That's true. Yes, well, we can go to Zach Lowe, who is constantly, even though he'll give us like a little love on our second round picks every <laughs> once in a while. Like Dwayne Bacon was featured a long time ago in a and 10 Things the, the I Martin Like. Twins. Yeah, we got a little Cody Martin love. Like we'll get some second round pick love from Zach and yeah. we'll even get the Kimba. So there's been some nice things said about uh, the Hornets from Zach Lowe, but it's not a whole lot. Here's another thing where Kevin Pelton is actually giving us some love. So basically, setting the scene, the piece that's in ESPN, it's basically a conversation written down between Kevin Pelton and Mike Schmitz. Kevin Pelton, you know, as an NBA pundit who is excellent, also very analytics-based, as well as Mike Schmitz, who does a really good job uh, measuring all of the prospects come NBA draft time and then kind of looking back at them Mm -hmm. after their first couple of years or so within the NBA. So they talk about exactly the star potential for the 2018 draft class, what that looks like right now. Yeah. I think we would agree that Luka Doncic is in a class of his own yeah, right absolutely. now. The guy has been amazing, and mm-hmm. I actually want to get to that conversation in the second segment because I, I want to talk about the Luka-DeAndre debate that was then, how that might affect, how that might should affect the Hornets and how they pick in this upcoming NBA draft. I want to get to that in the second segment. You just want Doug to run through here and essentially like just – 
Uncle Je- Steve, Stone Cold Steve Austin the whole thing. He just <laughs> stunner everybody yes. with his Wiseman takes. Yeah. That's what you want. He, I'm not sure I want that right he now. He wants the special big man, whether it be Bull Bull, whether it be James Wiseman. He wants the special big man, and I feel like his big man senses are tingling. But I, I will get to that in the second segment. So clearly, Luka Doncic in a tier by himself. Yes. Then they kind of go into a discussion of who second should be. Kevin Pelton poses the question whether... Is it Trey Young so far ahead of everybody else? Because he kind of feels like it is. But Mike Schmitz actually comes back with him and says, no, not only is he so far ahead of everybody else, he's not that far ahead of everybody else. In fact, he's behind one Shea Gilgis Alexander and what he's done oh, with no. the Oklahoma City no, Thunder. No, no. Um, you know I Walker. can't let go of that. Walker. I, I, look, I'm, I'm trying to let go of it. You no. always tell me to let go of SGA. I don't even want to talk about that right now. That that's that's the white whale for you, man. That's the white whale. That's what this is. It's the one that got away. Yes. And then we get to a comment from Kevin Pelton. So that was the scene set up, and then we get into what I really want to talk about. Yeah. So then we have those who are the top three from that class. I think anybody would agree as far as star potential. Maybe you want to put in some of the big men. But right now it's Luca, it's Trey Young, it's SGA. And then here's Kevin Pelton's next comment as it's written down with their conversation. Kevin Pelton then says to Mike Schmitz, quote, I think the choice gets a bit more difficult when we move to the fourth spot on the list of star potential with the 2018 draft class. There's a legitimate case in my mind to be made for Devontae Graham, my pick for most improved player. But this probably comes down to the top front court player between the 2018 number one overall pick in DeAndre Ayton and the 2018 number four selection in Jaron Jackson Jr. We would go down that conversation. They'd talk about the big guys a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then Kevin Pelton would also talk about at age 25, Graham is older, yes. but his high volume three point shooting has made him an effective starting point guard in his second season. I think only the top three guys on the list have had. Uh, that have been better this season. He also goes on to say New York Knicks center Mitchell Robinson might have more upside if he can improve his defensive instincts and cut down on fouling. Devontae DiVincenzo has had an excellent season for the Bucks after barely playing as a rookie and I think could have a breakout postseason. That's the other, po- uh, that's the other paragraph that he has. Then they come up with this chart. Mm-hmm. And it finally ranks the top 10 guys out of the 2018 draft class as far as who has the best star potential. So give it to me. Kevin Pelton has Devontae Graham ranked sixth in star potential behind Luca at one, Trey at two, SGA at three, Jaron Jackson at four, DeAndre Ayton at five. Mike Schmitz has De- uh, Devontae Graham ranked eighth behind Luca one, SGA two, Trey really? Young three, DeAndre Ayton four, Jaron Jackson five, Mitchell Robinson six, and then he has Colin Sexton ranked seven. So Mitchell Robinson, Colin Sexton coming in above Devontae Graham, whereas Kevin Pelton has... Uh, both of those guys behind Devontae. I guess my question here is, Nada, you know, how much star potential do you think Devontae has compared to all of the other guys within this NBA draft class? And to me, the fact that he's in this conversation where Kevin Pelton is saying there's a legitimate case to be made that he's number four on this list yeah. in front of the guys like Jaron Jackson and DeAndre Ayton, that, that gives you a ton of hope as to something that you have that you got in the second round. We weren't having these kinds of hits before. No. We usually think of hitting on a big star within the first round. And yes, that still needs to come for the Hornets. It absolutely needs to come towards the Hornets' fortunes because we just haven't had it since Kimba Walker. But think about the amount that they hit on with Devontae in the second round to be mentioned in the likes of these guys that were selected in the top 10 where... Kevin Pelton and Mike Schmitz have them in the top eight of star potential in this draft class. That's a big hit for my uh, for Mitch Kupchak. That's a, that's a massive hit. 
And I would argue that there's a lot of this that once we start really just disseminating, like, I'm, uh, I'm of the mind that I, I kind of disagree with both of them, or at least I disagree with Kevin Pelton, because I love Jaron Jackson Jr. Mm-hmm. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is a star. It's just that he's younger than everybody else, and he's got a really good star that can show him how to be a star in, in John Morant. I am one of those that d- does believe, though, that at some point, like, and, and this is where I guess I have hope, and I have a lot of hope in terms of this draft, and we'll continue to talk about this draft, is that the fact that we're finding a whole bunch of guys that are in the second round. Mm-hmm. And Devontae Graham cannot – finding Devontae and the star power that he brings is such a big thing for me. Now, the other thing that I find interesting about this is – Remember, we just last week talked about this, literally last week, where Sam Vecini didn't think that Devontae Graham was a starting caliber point guard this year. It just shows you the variance and just how in, and how interesting like player evaluation, especially among the media, is going right now, where you have one guy that doesn't think he's going to be a star, again, even a starting caliber point guard, but we have others that think, okay, star potential. And if this hits on a star level, like Mitch has already won the rebuild as we go. And this only continues that conversation of Mitch was the right guy. And Jordan can somewhat say, I told you so at some point. So Devontae Graham ranks eighth right now in points per game among everybody in that draft class. And that's after a rookie year where he did not get nearly as much playing time as a lot of the guys that are in front of him and even on uh, just surrounding him on the other side. And three-point percentage, Devontae Graham does come in at 16th, but this is a guy that did take a lot of volume this year and also improved quite a bit after not shooting the ball all that well in his rookie season. You look at assists per game, Mm -hmm. after having a good facilitating season this year, he ranks third behind Luka Doncic and Trey Young and he actually had a really good year this season passing the basketball and I don't think that's revisionist history either like no, saying he was a good passer no we noticed he was a good passer even in the few moments that he had in his rookie season despite not playing a whole lot yeah I felt like Devonte was a really good passer you look at win shares per 48 if you're looking at some of these types of numbers Devonte Graham doesn't come in until the 21st and that ranking yeah. Box plus minus, he comes in at 13th. And then you look at Vorp, Devontae Graham comes in at 9th. Every, uh, this is, of course, everybody compared to each other in the 2018 Wait, draft ninth class. Wait, ninth and Vorp? Ninth that and, kind of surprises yeah, me. Yeah. That not, kind of surprises me because even, like, even during that last year and there were some issues on defense for Devontae Graham, of course, he was asked to guard sometimes. And there still are. A bigger player. But – that again, the fact that because Vorp, I think, does, if I'm not mistaken, does factor in defense fairly heavily too. And the fact that he was he was good enough on offense to negate most of his defensive problems to be ninth in this class, being having been drafted 34th, that's a fairly big deal, I think. Well, and then again, you have Kevin Pelton, who a lot of his evaluation is based off of analytics as well as just, of course, incorporating the eye test. I think he does a good job, but you see what Devontae Graham did. I just think you can be excited about what Devontae brings, and I don't think this is news to anybody, but mm-hmm. it does go to show when you're talking about exactly how well the Hornets hit in this class. Like, Devontae went 34th. The Hornets yeah. traded up to get him, but he went 34th, and everybody else that is in front of him, like the only other value pick 
you could argue is better was Mitchell Robinson at 36. And remember, we had Schmitz and Pelton kind of disagreeing with that, but whatever. Like, you do have Devontae Graham coming in that high. Now, that's the positive of that draft class. Yeah. What you do have in this draft class as well, Nada, is Miles Bridges not being mentioned in the top 10 for the star potential in which these guys are listing some of these players. Miles Bridges is not in the top 10 when they list some of the guys with the best star potential. Yes. And the guy that they traded for Miles Bridges, it's SGA, who was argued by Schmitz to be second here. I don't want to get into how much I love SGA. I promise I'm going to spare it, no, you No, you've already indirectly no, no, done no, that. No, no, that's you've, not what I'm you've saying. You've indirectly done that. I'm going to move on. If okay. you'll allow me, I'm going to move on. Fine. But fine. I, I want to talk specifically about Miles Bridges. How much of a problem do you think it is that Miles Bridges is not mentioned within the top 10 of that star potential list? And was it even saved by Devontae being in the second round here? Just your, your thoughts on the positive with Devontae, but maybe even... The negative, if you consider it a negative, that he's not in the top ten with these men. Here, here's the here's my issue with when we start discussing Miles is that we still don't know what Miles is. Miles doesn't even know what Miles is because, and more importantly, the Hornets don't even know what Miles is right now. And I think that's when we start having these discussions about again, what about Miles Bridges? Once the Hornets figure it out, once Miles figures it out, because we've gotten so many different comparisons, we've gotten the Kawhi Leonard comparisons we've had those borrego brought those up yeah exactly like we've had those brought up we've had multiple different comparisons we don't even know if this guy is a three or a four yet and most likely he's the four once we figure out exactly what he is then maybe we can start worrying because as long as we don't know the answer then i can't really just start saying hey you know what, maybe I should be worried a little bit. I, the thing is, with me, Nada, if we're going to talk about confidence levels and who you think you do have a pretty good grip on what they are... There's only two guys. I think Miles is one of those guys that comes to my mind, though. Like, Devontae, there is a high variance. Like, you're right. I think there is a pretty wide range of outcomes that could still happen with Devontae. I think PJ certainly has a ceiling that I don't know what he's going to reach. Uh, certainly, Cody Martin, some of these second-rounders, they're so young yeah. and so late into their uh, to the draft, and so young in their career it's really hard to pinpoint i that that's my biggest fear i'm not yeah. saying you you're wrong i'm just saying my biggest fear is that i kind of do know what miles is and that's a guy that is going to be a part of the team um but also not be anything all that crazy special and i hope i'm wrong on that I, but that's I, what i feel i would i would hold off on that if only because there are things that are workable his is finishing at the rims putrid and we all know that that can be improved with a good strength program and who knows, eight, nine months of weightlifting may help you with that. The, the, the shooting is his probably his best thing that he does right now. His athleticism is one of those intangibles that you can never really figure out. But if he finishes like if he finishes better at the rim, he's a guy you like he's a franchise cornerstone. I'm not saying you sign him to a max deal, but He's one of those guys that you're going to have to, like I said, we have to figure that out. And I'm not sure, I'm not ready to have figured out Miles Bridges just yet. Well, one thing I do know, one thing I have figured out, it's that you guys should be visiting rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. And rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're also reliably low. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible, rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. Rockauto.com is for everybody and does 
does not require membership for account login. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. And what you can do is go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck and write locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com i want to discuss the deandre ayton luka Doncic decision look back on that kind of debate that we had and how we might take some of the lessons we learned from that debate and apply them to who the hornets should be selecting in this nba draft we talk about that next on the locked on hornets podcast this is Locked on Hornets. Final play, though, was pretty, pretty doo-doo. If you missed the shot, you missed the shot, but that was and that good. It was reminiscent of Hornets inbounds years past. I was going to say, yeah, it was doo-doo, as you said, and it reminded of, what was a, the other shot that you didn't like, Doug? It's a technical uh, the, term, the technical basketball term. I'm a smart but, basketball guy. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Looking back at this 2018 NBA draft class, you know, it spawned from this conversation Kevin Pelton and Mike Schmitz had. I, I did go back into my brain and start to think about that Luka Doncic DeAndre debate, that DeAndre Ayton debate that we mm-hmm. had, because th- there were some people that were rabid fans of Luka Doncic, and, and I don't. I was one of them. Yeah, you Me were. And you had these discussions you, on this podcast. A couple of years ago, Doug Branson was on your side. You know, yeah. Doug loved Luca. I know that there were a lot of people that were rabid Luka Doncic fans, and they were just disgusted at the fact that you would select DeAndre Ayton number one, and I am on the wrong side of history of that because it doesn't have anything to do with my dislike for Luca. I thought he was no. a good prospect. I really did. But I looked at DeAndre, and I'm like, guys, are you serious? Look at this guy. This guy is a specimen. You know, Jake Billis is out here saying he has Hall of Fame potential. He has a touch. He's offensively gifted. He's he's athletic. He's built with strength. And I just didn't get why people were so flabbergasted at the idea of selecting DeAndre Ayton number one overall, even if I thought Luka was going to be a good prospect. I had no problem selecting Luka number two overall if that would have been the move been made in the 2018 draft but but I think something here not a and I and I toyed with it at the time but I think I'm full-fledged like I'm all the way in now let me hear it let me hear it it's just the fact that if you have a debate like this of star potential Mm -hmm. or just looking for your next piece that you want to build around either at the wing Mm -hmm. or at the big man position Man, don't do you just have to always side with the perimeter player and the guard? Wings win rings, Walker. Yeah. Repeat it after me. Uh, yeah. Wings, wings win, win rings. That's rings. Right. Check, write it down. Think Check. again. Write that down because you got to think about it. the best way I can describe this is this way. DeAndre Ayton played what? About 30 games this year? Uh, I will put those numbers up in front of me. I'll get a research. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure he played about 30 because I know he missed like 20 games because of steroids. But that's right. We're talking about a guy that played maybe 30 games, and the Suns have all of three more wins than the Charlotte Hornets. Mm-hmm. Three. I don't want to hear about the impact of a big man, especially when you have Devin Booker, Kelly Oubre, and DeAndre Ayton for most of their 60 games that they've played, 60 plus games that they've played. Big men don't affect the game like that anymore. Like you have to be an Embiid type special. You have to be look at. 
better yet, look at Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns is one of the most offensively gifted centers that we see. And he he's only gotten to the playoffs once. And that was with a guy like Jimmy Butler. At some point, we have to realize that effectively because of the rules, because of the perimeter-based game, bigs are only so good and they can only affect so much. Yeah. And that's why you always go wing over big, especially now when you're talking about, like, again, $10 million for a rookie contract. Do you want to sink that much money into a big man? Because if you do, cool. But if you don't, then go for the wing because it's usually a better investment. If you're drafting the big man that high, then you are looking for the outlier because there are outliers there. Like Nikola Jokic is clearly an outlier. The guy is amazing. Joel Embiid, and we can talk about the injury history, but the guy when he's on, he is amazing and affects the game at a high level. And I thought DeAndre Ayton was that, but you're right. It's just that the odds are going to be so much more with the wing as far as affecting the game. And look, it's not like I, I just came across this, you know, in the last couple of years or so like I got it then but I I just I look look at these numbers man like DeAndre is putting up good numbers 19 points per game Mm -hmm. the dude averaged 12 rebounds in the 30 games that he played this year I I don't I don't care man like that's a lot that's good at some point you just have to measure no and and I'm with you just 19 and 12 is good and he's shooting a good percentage from the field I know defensively I, I know people think that he improved a decent amount from being not very good at all his rookie season his pick and roll was Putrid. Yeah, so so people think that his defensive awareness and just his defensive game overall has increased a decent amount. He's not a good defender by any stretch, but that it, it's improved and still has uh, quite a bit of room to improve. But then you look at a guy like Luka Doncic who affects the game like he does, and, and maybe even Luka's unfair, but we can go to a point of Trey Young, who certainly had some questions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know these are somewhat empty calories because of the way that the Hawks aren't winning right now, and, and, and I get all of that. It just not, I guess, all of this to say as I ramble. It, it, it leads me to believe that I want a wing in this particular draft more than I would go with an Anyeka Okungwu, even though I like him. I, I like yeah. Okungwu a lot. Yeah. And, if, and if he's the name that's called out, cool. Like, I'm going to be cool with that. Of course. But if you're looking for star potential, because again, I think we can agree that we don't feel good about the Hornets having a star on their roster right now. If, if the draft is about trying to hit on that guy, then give me the Killian Hayes if he's available. Yes. Give me the Avdia, if that's how you pronounce his name, if he's available. Give me even the Devin Fissell, who I do think has a higher ceiling than most do. Give me that guy at number eight overall over in a Kung Wu. And I like a Kung Wu. It just is me thinking that I would rather have the star potential. I want to bat and swing for the fences a little bit. And I think the odds of you hitting it over the fence lie more with the wing than it does even with the guy that I like, like a Kung Wu. Oh, I agree with you there. Like, that's the thing. We agree on this. I think the, the pick has to be a wing. Because I, as much as I love a, again, a Kung Wu, and a Kung Wu is the guy I like more than James Wiseman, because I think Wiseman, there's a lot of red flags there, and his defense wasn't good in high school, much less college, and I don't understand why we would think that his pick-and-roll defense is going to be that much better in the NBA when he's had all three games to basically show what he can do. I need that wing because I'm personally thinking that I like the Martin Twins, Mm-hmm. I don't think Caleb Martin should be a rotation guy. Well, and they don't deter a, you from taking a win. Yeah, exactly. Like the Mart, like Cody Martin. I get it. You have a contract with him. Again, you have a three-year contract with him. Go ahead and do that. The Caleb Martins, the Kobe Simmons of the league, <laughs> it, like those guys. 
They should not prevent you from making a wing selection. Also, I'm of the mind now that, hey, look, get a wing. Even if he's just a mediocre wing or if he's a half-decent wing, most of the stars are going to be in next year's draft anyway. And if you look at all the stats about the Charlotte Hornets, they outperformed where they should be. So if anything, regression to the mean is probably going to happen. So if you're going to do that, give me the developmental wing to work with. Yeah, and I, I kind of look at some of these other examples, right? Like Mitchell Robinson, you drafted late, and that was just a really good value pick. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's somebody that you got late, though. Like even, and I look at Brooklyn, a Jarrett Allen, who I believe they selected something like 14th when they selected him. We all were really high on him once upon a time, and I feel yeah. like that's even calmed down, and it doesn't have anything to do with him not being good. It's just there was a cap there when we're talking about that. I think of like a Clint Capella, who yes. was selected late. who and was, was given these, away for spare parts. Yeah, and 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 I even think he's a fine player. Like, And honestly, you know, I, I, am, go- I am one that likes Cody Zeller quite a bit, but even there. there there's a cap to what he does I, I just think I'm, I'm with you on this wing thing give me the playmaking wing give me the scoring wing whatever give me the guy that has more star potential with also I, I think a high floor in a couple of those scenarios and, and this is where I, I should stop it because I, I don't it doesn't mean that I'm going to take a wing that I don't love over a guy like a Kung Wu, who I do like, right? Like, there are tiers to this. No, there, there are, are no, they're absolutely tiers. Like, but if they're in the same tier, then give me the wing over the big guy. I would, again, and you know what? We're going to have to do this at some point because we have a lot of shows to get through till next season actually happens. Yep. We're going to have to do a tier show. We're going to have to do a tier show. We'll and that may it. cause tears. Uh, it does. Yeah, I was about to say a T-E-A-R show because that's what we do. That's the only shows that we know how to do. We exactly. just make people cry when they listen to us. Uh, I wanted to get a little bit into the NBA restart program and also the Charlotte Hornets. They have some news breaking as far as their uh, G League affiliate goes. We'll get to that in the final segment of the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I'm not a big fan of grape jelly. I kind of I'm a little insulted that you referred to me as grape jelly. I'm not a fan of grape anything. Now I like grapes, but I don't like grape flavoring. I think it goes back to the Robitussin that I had as a kid, and I just don't like grape flavoring. Anyway, great to yeah, be I'll, back. Great I'll, to be back on the show. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Mentioned some of that breaking news, not breaking, I should say, but some news that just happened within the last couple of days on June 30th, yesterday, or a couple of days ago, to be exact, that the uh, Charlotte Hornets will not bring back Joe Wolf as the coach of the Greensboro Swarm next season. And then Rick Bennell writes in the Charlotte Observer update, quote, Wolf, who played college ball at North Carolina, was hired in September of 2018 to coach the Swarm. His contract expired after the season, and the Hornets announced Tuesday they will not extend Wolf's tenure in Wolf. Wolf's two seasons, the Swarm went 24 and 26 in 2018, 2019, and 9 and 34 in 2019 and 2020. Uh, he would also, Rick would also go on to write when general manager Mitch Kupchak and coach James Borrego joined the Hornets in the spring of 2018. Both said it's key that the franchise upgrade development of young players, which would involve a closer, more co- or closer, I should say, more coordinated relationship with the Swarm. You know, not I look at this and mm-hmm. it's funny because. How often do we praise the talent development of this organization ever since Kupchak and Borrego became a part of this organization? A we- lot, because again, they refreshed, they basically brought this franchise into the 21st century. If we're really honest, both of them brought this franchise into the 21st century. And so when I see a Joe Wolf situ- situation where they're firing the guy that brought so much development, it kind of raises a couple of eyebrows. The one question I have is, 
because we do not know when the G League is coming back, mm-hmm. is this a situation where they're just going to hold negotiations and then, hey, Joe, do you still need a job? And when the G League actually does come back and they're able to hold games, then he comes back. But if this is a situation where they don't know and the G League does not effectively come back until late 2021, what's the point in renewing his contract now? Well, what's interesting to me, too, is, okay, I, I think most people would agree that nobody gives a damn about G League records. It, nobody, cares no, about mi- nobody, yeah. nobody cares about minor league baseball records. It's all about getting these guys ready for the big show. Yeah. And how much can you grow and develop a lot of the younger players that are part of that farm system? And I think if that's the way that we're evaluating it, then so far so good yeah and i think a lot of that would be contributed to of course the guys like james borrego and people within the top of the organization but also i would imagine that joe wolf would get a lot of credit but not i I don't think that's the case with the hornet specifically the guy that's getting a lot of the credit is nick friedman yeah And, and that's the guy that accompanies the players from the g league to the nba and back and forth and in the exit interview from jalen mcdaniels he mentioned how good his relationship was with nick friedman he called him a brother he talked about how much he was vital to his improvement, being more comfortable within the NBA. Now that we got to a point this season when Jalen McDaniels was comfortable shooting threes, I did, damn, did he shoot 40% at, yes. at that little stint that he had? I think he did I shoot 40%. I believe he did. We're, we're seeing to the point where at the beginning of the season, Cody Martin was playing hot potato with that basketball. He couldn't handle the pressure, didn't like it. He was giving you all he could defensively yeah. because that's a little bit easier to do. But he was scared with the ball in his hands. And then the guys running the offense – in a cool way at the end, got more comfortable. Kayla Martin, same thing. And I, it's just funny. We look at the the development specialist, Nick Friedman. I think we give him a lot of the credit when we talk about all of the development, even compared to a guy like Joe Wolf, Joe who Wolf, is the yeah. G League coach. Yeah, and that's funny because, again, I, I forgot about Nick Friedman and the credit that he'd been given. But the, when you start talking about all this stuff, and I actually start looking at, and I guess this is where it's interesting for me, is that, Maybe Friedman's the next coach, and we just again that that announcement comes, and we'll see and go from there. But you're right about Friedman. I, yeah, I've completely forgot about. Well, that. and then you bring up so you bring up him being the G League coach. It, do the Hornets mess with that though? Like, do, if Nick Friedman is just so vital in the role that he's in, is that something you mess with? And is it even a promotion at that point, or is that something that you just allow him to continue to be the guy that accompanies the players going back? I think and forth? I, I actually think that's a pr- promotion for him because at that point he can say, "Hey, I'm the guy that coaches these guys, and I'm the reason that these guys are good." Remember. Nick Nurse, the credit as being a G League coach for those Rio Grande Vipers down with the Houston system. So at some point, he again, Friedman may want that promotion because he wants that notoriety. Yeah. At the, you have, I think you have to get, I think you have to get Friedman to that level, and I think the Hornets kind of owe it to him at this point. Another good example of that would be Ronald Norad, who won a yes. G League championship at such a young age and is now on the assistant staff yeah, for the Charlotte Hornets. Pretty crazy, man. Th- this team loves themselves some G League, don't they? Like, and, and it's working. It's, for it's them. the only way. It's the only way as a small franchise, a small market franchise, to run is that through this G League stuff. Because otherwise, you, you're not going to sign big free agents here unless they have a reason. And that reason is going to be a homegrown star and the ability to win in the East. One thing I don't want to let's let's save the restart plan, even though things change day by day. Like mm-hmm. this NBA restart plan. 
it, it's getting crazy to the point where I don't have a huge confidence level. Whether you think it should start or not, the confidence level of this thing actually getting off of the ground nope. to me is waning a little bit. Is it waning for you at least? Like not not whether you agree that they should be going for this, but just your overall confidence level of this thing actually starting. How much has your confidence waned in the last couple of weeks? Oh, I think they'll get the regular season done. I don't think we're getting playoffs. Done, you think? The regular I think season will? I, like yeah. I think we get the seven games. I think we get the seven, eight games. I don't think They'll again. They'll get those seven, eight games. Come mm-hmm. hell or high water, because there's entirely too much money on the line. Well, we've already talked about it, so let's talk about it. And not, I know you've been vocal about this on Twitter of defending the NBA and trying to at least give this a go. And you know what? I'm kind of with you on this. Like I understand if things get too crazy for them to actually follow through with a start and or even follow through with a finish on all of this. Okay, fine. Right now, what we're being told by all the scientists and the experts that they're discussing with, it's that you don't have to shut this down now. I also understand that the experts don't know everything about this, Mm -hmm. hence we didn't project this kind of spike in the last couple of weeks, and I know those are very real problems. But I really don't mind that the NBA is still going to try to figure this out, and if it gets too scary, then they can pull the plug. Those are some of the comments that Adam Silver had. Yeah, he did say this he's is saying ne- this as again, mm-hmm. even as we're probably recording, he's probably say, he's been saying for the last little bit, "Hey guys, this may not, we may not finish this, but we have to try." Because I just want to ask everybody, what business do you know that has 1.2 billion dollars on the line? is going to flush it all down the toilet. Without at least an attempt. Exactly. Right? Like it, You might have to. You might have to, but I would like to save it if I can. Exactly. And I understand that the NBA is trying to do all of this, and if it gets too dangerous, then fine. You might argue that it's too dangerous already. Well, not according to people that they're discussing who actually research this stuff. And more importantly, at this point, you have LeBron vocally saying, yo, I'm going to be down there. You have Jared Dudley, basically clutch sports management's unofficial mouthpiece saying, hey, we're going to be down there. You have Patrick Beverly, the most gully point guard that we've ever seen. The guy that could <laughs> legitimately have his own Timberland-style shoe. <laughs> we're talking about, that's what we're talking about here, Walker. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, we're not going to, again, they're going to go. They're going to finish the regular season, they're going to get their money, and then they're going to roll. Speaking of Timbaland, it makes me think of then Palm Olive's lyric from Freddie Gibbs, which then makes me think of when talking about some of the most recent albums that we've been listening to. Uh, I'm going to give you my favorite album because I know we need to talk music and then we'll end it real quickly, but my God, Nada, I am in love with Alfredo. Freddie Gibbs is amazing. I love this album. It's not as good as Bandana, in my opinion. It's not good as... No, I told you that, and we had that discussion. I mean, Mad Lib's performance as a producer... Like, look, I like Alchemist a lot. He's the dude is amazing. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to get it twisted. But what Madlib did on Bandana just blew my freaking mind. With all that being said, Alfredo, it is my favorite album that's been released here recently. When you oh, even put man. it up to even West Side Gun, oh. J Electronica, and yes, even Run the Jewels. I like Alfredo significantly more than Run the Jewels. Here, here's the thing. I'll, I'll give you RTJ four as being kind of disappointing. It, it, it really was, has been for me. It's kind of disappointing. There's like literally that middle section from like, I want to say from like tracks four to seven is dope. Everything else I could leave. I, I, I don't need. I'm with you. And I, I will give you Alfredo is dope. I, I'm just still in love with Bandana so much that I'll still listen to that first. Well, I'm talking about like recently. Like, is there an like album recently, recently that you're saying? I know you wanted to discuss this a little bit. Recently, like, is there an album like recently, recently, like, um, 
Oh, there's what, a couple ones. Well, Mordecai, I like Jay Electronica's album that was like dropped. Mordecai, in the last again, there's an album by Mordecai by a band that I am not even going to attempt to say their name. <laughs> it is it is a very good, it, it is a very funk-based album. Are you talking about the band that starts with a K? Yes. Is that what you're talking yes, about? Yes, I Because am. I, what's funny is I was going, it's like, oh my God, this is awful podcasting. It's like Karuga Band or something like that. Exactly. And I, I was in Chipotle. And they were playing Evan Visits or Evan Leaves the Third Room a couple of years ago. They released this album, and that was a song that was on that album. Wow. And I was like, oh, my God, what is this? I shazammed it. And then all of a sudden, like a week later, people are talking about that. Like literally, it's because it's, it, they have a, um, an EP with Leon Bridges to called Texas Sun that they released last year. And it's like four songs, and it was straight like Earth, Wind, and Fire vibes. Mm-hmm. And I mean peak Earth, Wind, and Fire vibe. <laughs> and so when you start talking about that and you start listening to something like that and it's new, it's like literally, it's been so good. It's exciting to find new music oh, that you dude. did not know. It's the best. And it's the best part is, the you know feelings. the best part is? We don't have to explain to Doug any of this nope. stuff. No push it, no, Terrence. No push it, Terrence. None of this. No, I have to tell him exactly what the letters stand for. We call him Push a T. It's exactly. not Push it, Terrence. We call him Push a T, Doug. That's for you. Uh, we appreciate you joining us again here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. That wraps up this edition. And also, uh, thanks for um, rockauto.com for supporting the show. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA. Tell them to play the most recent episode of Hollinger and Duncan. Really, any show a part of the Lockdown podcast. Podcast Network. Have a great day. It will be David and Doug doing a crossover, I believe, with the New York Knicks podcast. I don't know if David's going to be a part of that, but I know they're doing a crossover because of the mock draft 2.0 that we had with the Elite Eight teams. So you can expect that to drop on Friday. Thanks again for joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast.